Let's start again today from the book of Jeremiah chapter 10. Again, when we want to do this, I like us to do it from the bottom of our hearts very warmly. So as to drive the demons that are hanging around Enugu, drive to the center of the Atlantic where ships don't pass. Oh, do you have a better idea where we can send them to? All right, so let's do it loudly from the bottom of our hearts. One, two, let's go. There is none like you, O Lord. You are great, and great is your name in might. We will not fear you, O King of the nations. Indeed, it is your due. For among all the wise men of the nations, and in all their kingdoms, there is none like you. Verse 8. But they are altogether stupid and foolish. In their discipline of delusion, their idol is wood. Beating silver is brought from Tarshish, and gold from Ophaz, the work of a craftsman, and of the hands of a goldsmith. Violet and purple are their clothing. They are the work of skilled men. But the Lord is the true God, is the living God, and the everlasting King. At his wrath the earth quakes, and the nations cannot endure his indignation. Thus we shall say to them, The gods that did not make the heavens and the earth, we perish from the earth and from under the heavens. It is he who made the earth by his power, who established the world by his wisdom, and by his understanding he has stretched out the heavens. When he utters his voice, there is a tumult of waters in the heavens, and he causes the clouds to ascend from the end of the earth. He makes lightning for the rain, and brings out the wind from his storehouses. 14. Every man is stupid, devoid of knowledge. Every goldsmith is put to shame by his idols. For his molten images are deceitful, and there is no breath in them. They are worthless, a work of mockery. In the time of their punishment, they will perish. 16. The portion of Jacob is not like this. For the maker of all is he, and Israel is the tribe of his inheritance. And the Lord of hosts is his name. Amen. amen. I said amen. amen. Now my favorite portion again. He said, verse 11. Now you are going to join me. He said we should say something to them, right? So let's say to them, one, two, let's go. The gods that did not make the heavens and the earth will perish from the earth and from under the heavens. In this series we are dealing with what? No more foreign gods. So let's say to them again. The gods that did not make the heavens and the earth we perish from the earth and from under the heavens. Last time we were talking about who God will give the land to. Somebody said he will bury his book in the Atlantic. That is, he will cover the whole nation. And some people get scared. Everything the government does, it says Islamization agenda. I said, does it matter? Everybody has a right to have their own agenda. What is your own agenda? That is the issue. And then when you get to the realm of the spirit, the person that has the real power, it will show in whose agenda succeeds. Stop fighting somebody else's agenda. Pursue your own agenda. If your agenda is the right one, it will succeed. You know, there was a time they gathered the Israelites, the, the disciples, that time in Jerusalem. And one of the leaders of the Sanhedrin said, let's not be fighting God. He began to mention the names of people who came before. One died, all his followers scattered. Another one led people to the wilderness. They all perished. He said, this Jesus said, we have killed him. If really he's a false one, all his followers will scatter. But 2,000 years later, they didn't scatter. They are waxing stronger. Are you getting my point? If your agenda is the real one, it will prosper. Don't be afraid of anybody's agenda. If, you are, if your agenda is the real agenda, it will prosper. The problem is when you don't have an agenda. 
So let's say to them again what we have been told to say to them. One, two, let's go. The gods that did not make the heavens and the earth will perish from the earth and from under the heavens. One more time. The gods that did not make the heavens and the earth will perish from the earth and from under the heavens. Amen. Amen. Jesus made the earth by his power. Say amen to that. He established the world by his wisdom. And by his understanding, he has stretched out the heavens. For that reason, his agenda will prosper. For that reason, his agenda will prosper. In the name of Jesus Christ. All right, the Lord is good. Now, we'll sit down in a moment, but first of all, let's take our declaration of what the Holy Spirit will do for us today, all right? Let's declare it. This is what the Holy Spirit will do for us today. One, two, let's go. Now, I declare, the Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, and I'm being filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. As a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. I'm pleasing him in all respects. I'm bearing fruit in every good work. And I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to his word. What is entering my heart? It is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area. And it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 I said amen. amen. The word of healing is coming for somebody today. Yeah, we were praying earlier. All right? And this one, I, I should say this. The word of reconciliation for a family is coming today. Amen. The power to heal a home will come forth today Amen. in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Children will be reconciled to their parents. Amen. A husband will be reconciled with a wife Amen. in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. The peace of God that passes all understanding is coming to a family today Amen. in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Everybody say, we receive, it. we receive it. If you're not the one that needs it, still say it because I want to call it on somebody's behalf. Say, we receive it. We receive it. Say, we receive it. In the name of Jesus Christ. All right, the Lord is good. Let's take our seats quickly. Okay, now let's start today from the book of um, Isaiah chapter 45. Where I'm going is verse 22, but let's see whether we'll start from there or from earlier on. Isaiah chapter 45. Okay, let's start from verse 20. It said, gather yourselves and come. Draw near together, you fugitives of the nations. They have no knowledge who carry about their wooden idol and pray to a God who cannot save. Declare and set forth your case. Indeed, let them consult together. Who has announced this from of old? Who has long since declared it? Is it not I, the Lord? And there is no other God besides me, a righteous God and a Savior. There is none except me. He said, turn to me and be saved, all the ends of the earth. For I am God and there is no other. Please notice that. Turn to me and be saved, all the ends of the earth. For I am God and there is no other. I have sworn by myself, the word has gone forth from my mouth in righteousness and will not turn back. What have I sworn? That to me every knee will bow. Every tongue will swear allegiance. They will say of me, only in the Lord are righteousness and strength. He said, men will come to him, and all and all who were angry with him will be put to shame. In the Lord, all the offspring of Israel will be justified and will glory. When I read this portion, I like to always go to the next few verses, which are in verse 40, uh, chapter 46. 
He said, Bel has bowed down. That's verse 1. Or oh, 46 now. Bel has bowed down. Nebo stoops over. Their images are consigned to the beasts and the cattle. The things that you carry are burdensome. A load for the weary beasts. He said, they stooped over. They have bowed down together. They could not rescue the burden, but have themselves gone into captivity. Um, please let us bear these uh, verses in mind. I'm going to come back to them later. But then as a way of revision, let's go back again. And I'm not going to spend time. My wife said, look, stop revising. That if you don't revise, you'll be able to go to the next thing. That when you start this uh, recapitulation, that's when you get stuck. I said, what can I do? Uh, Ken Hagen said, um, where there is no repetition, the people are not um, established. So we'll continue to repeat and allow the Holy Spirit to say what he wants to say. Of course, we won't spend too much time reading all those verses. From verse 1 of chapter 20 of the book of Exodus, God was saying to Moses, he said, I am God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. Commandment number one says, you shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol, that's number two, or any likeness of what is in heaven above, on the earth beneath, or in the water under the earth. You shall not worship them or serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. He now says in verse um, 7, You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain or for a vain thing. For the Lord will not leave him unpunished who takes his name in vain. We have established in previous teachings that what he was saying as that number three is that don't put the name of God on an idol. First commandment as a matter of reminder says what? Don't have any other God. Number two commandment says that only God you know, the one that you know, the God, the father of our Lord Jesus, uh, sorry, for them, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, don't make an image of him. Don't have anything that you claim looks like him. And then number three, by the time you are getting to the promised land, you will find the gods that people have worshipped. Don't swap their names. That's what he was trying to say. Don't swap their names. Don't see a temple made to um, Bazebob as an example. Or a temple of Baal, one of those uh, gods they used to worship a lot those days. And then remove the name of that god. And now say this is the temple of Jehovah. God said don't do it. Inside their temples you will see images that have been carved. They call it different names. And you know, it's very common in some sects of our Christianity. They take some of these foreign gods and change their names. Sometimes we call them saints. They are not saints. We, just, we don't want to let go of those gods. So we remove the former name and put a modern name on them. We did that to a lot of our festivals also. But that was what God was addressing. Israel was not allowed to do that. So he said that was the third commandment, actually. He was not saying don't swear by the name of God. He was just saying... Don't take the name of God and place it on a vain idol. We've been looking at that. So what are we doing? We are removing every form of foreign gods out of our lives. That is what we are doing as believers. We don't want any foreign god in our lives. God said it again and again. I am God and there is none else. Like I said last time, why God is not, not into the bragging thing. He's not into the bragging thing. He's not at all into the bragging thing. He's not trying to show off, I'm God and you are not. Try now. Can you do what I'm doing? I'm superior to you. God wasn't trying to do that. The reason why he drops names at all is to help us. I gave an illustration last time of how I went to a barbing shop. All right? I went to go and cut my hair. All right? And somebody said, which hair? All right? The one that you can't see. Okay. <laughs> anyway, so 
And a woman had a child there that had um, what we call a, what's the common word for that thing? Ringworms, yes. Had ringworm all over the head. And everybody was giving her all kinds of advice. And of course, I knew how easily it was to treat. So I just told the woman, listen, um, this is how you handle this. But so that she won't think I'm giving her counsel like the barber or giving her counsel like the other customer. I just whispered, I'm a doctor and I have children. You know, I just told her like that. And of course, my words suddenly carried more weight. So it was not the word of a barber now. It was the word of a specialist who understood how to treat. I gave her the dosage of the drug to use. I can't remember what I even wrote it down for her and gave it to her. Now, if somebody had just given her that on the road, she would have said, why should I believe you? Do you get my point? All right? So that's the kind of thing God does when he's telling you he's God. Now, bear in mind, that's my barbing scenario, that barbing salon scenario. All kinds of people that day, different persons were speaking and giving counsel. Some would say, wash it with soap and water and put antiseptic soap. And some would put, put salt in Vaseline and rub on it. Some would say, bath the boy with hot water on the head. No, put him inside the sun and let the sun cook the head. There are all kinds of things. Now, you know what each person is trying to do by doing that? They are saying, I'm a doctor. Now, they don't have to use the name. They are, like God said, I'm the Lord that what? Heals you. So they were saying, I'm a person that has understanding of how your son will be healed. And they were, Now, some of them may have had made some sense. Some of them, but most were so... Off, so silly, some of the things you hear. Remember the day somebody said, decided a joke like um, when Ebola, they said Ebola was coming to Nigeria, the way to stop Ebola, go and bathe with salt water. Do you remember that? Yes, I was sleeping when my phone rang that morning uh, that I, I hadn't woken up yet. And one of our brothers called said, Pastor, I'm so sorry, sorry to wake you up. Because the way I answered, I mean, he knew I was, he woke me up. It was early in the morning. I said, What's the problem? He said, They said to prevent Ebola from catching you, you bathe with salt water. I just told him, nonsense. And I hung the phone. And he said, thank you, sir. I hung the phone. Went back to finish my sleep. Only for me to wake up in the morning, uh, later that morning and discover that the whole of the salt in the market had finished. People were bathing with salted water because a young lady in, from Akure, I think uh, Futa Akure, the university there, she and her friends were cracking the joke on social media. It was just a joke she cracked her friends. You know the way you just say funny things. And then the thing went viral. Within a few hours, of course, because of the fear of Ebola. Okay? Now, what I'm talking about is that that brother, why did he call me? He felt I should know. And, of course, I knew. And I told him it was pure nonsense. It made no sense. If you know the way the thing works, I didn't even know the thing had covered the whole nation. All right? Now, he called me because he felt I should know. And that day, I dropped my qualification for that woman in that salon because it will help her listen to me. I wasn't going to gain anything. I didn't know her from Adam, like we say. I didn't know her. If I see her now, I won't recognize her. But I dropped my qualification for her. Why? To help her. That brother called me that day. He needed help. He called me because of the knowledge he knew I had of such things. I hope you're getting my point. So bear it in mind. I hope I've established why God will go ahead and say, I am God and there is none else. It wasn't a bragging thing. Are you as fine as me? Me, I'm God. What kind of person are you? No. It was like, don't waste your time following people that don't know. Don't follow, waste your time following systems that don't understand. Don't waste your time. You have a, um, a sunny product, okay? And then you take it to the mechanic who repairs, um, give me something, name of a car, a lorry, Bedford. <laughs> Did they see it, Bedford? <laughs> All right. You go to a mechanic who's using... <laughs> 
um, who repairs Bedford, 50-year-old engines. Yeah, you have a Sony PlayStation, all right? Maybe PlayStation 5. Why would you go to him? So, Sony mechanic will say, I am a Sony-approved repairer, and there's none else in this city. I hope you're getting my point. It's not a bragging thing. He's saying, don't spoil that product you paid so much money for. You paid $500 for this thing. That man, because he looks like he's wearing an overall, he repairs Bedford diesel engines that are 50 years old. So if I stand with a man and say, look, I'm a Sony-approved technician for their um, electronic products. I'm not bragging. I'm telling the Bedford engine repairer, sir, this is not your level. If you go and dig up one old engine that's 60 years old, maybe we'll give it to you. Anytime God says that, that's all he's doing. He's saying, I can help you, they can't. Now, remember that story of the barber shop again? Everybody was speaking. Why? Each person, without realizing what they were saying, they were saying, I'm the doctor. Do you get my point? They didn't use a title. And that's why when we say God, we need to understand what we are saying. Many things that try to take the position of God don't use the word God. So when God said, I'm God, there is none else. He was fighting for us. He wasn't fighting for himself. Remember that big English of the philosopher, of God being preoccupied with the preservation of his own prerogative. That was not the issue. God is preoccupied with how to impact his blessing into the lives of his children. He's preoccupied. How will I get you to understand me? How will I get you to receive my spirit? How will I get you to receive that which is necessary for success in your life? First, I have to tell you, I am God and there is none else. My emphasis for today is on those things that pretend to be God. That's what we are going today. Those days, now let me quickly get into that. Now, before I get into that, let me just remind us of this. Why is God doing what he's doing? He wants to impart something to us. When God says, I'm the Lord, your doctor, which is literally the word the Hebrew, I'm the Lord that healed thee. What he was saying is this. Don't look for healing elsewhere. They don't have it. I hope you get my point. The reason why he made that statement was so as to heal. Do you get my point? Not to make money, but so that he could heal us. In any aspect of our lives where we don't recognize who is God, we lose contact with the power of God. Let me say that again. In any aspect of your life, in any aspect of my life, that we don't recognize who God is, we lose contact with the power of God. I've said this many times. God is not like an angry person like, eh, they won't listen to me now. Eh. No, he's not angry. The truth is that he's actually sorry for people. I hope you get my point. He's sorry. You remember that famous saying when America was attacked by Al-Qaeda? Which year was that? Is that 2001? 9-11, right? Twin Towers fell down. 3,000 people died in one day. America had not seen anything like that since, since Pearl Harbor. That was around the, that was during the Second World War. So everybody was saying, where, where was God? Where was God? People said, where was God? And it was supposed to be proof for some people that you see there's no God. If God was there, why would that happen? And one person answered. He said, where was God? God was where we said he should stay. He said, God was where we kept him. He said, we told him, don't come to our schools when we banned prayer in school. So he stopped coming. So we said, don't come to our public buildings. He said, no problem, I won't come. So he stayed out. So one day a public building, so to speak, was attacked. And he was watching. He saw the planes hijacked. He saw the planes aimed for those buildings. And of course, for the Pentagon, 
that one in Pentagon hit, the one that was going for the White House was blown out of the sky. God saw all of those things happen. In fact, that the one heading for the White House was taken out was the mercy of God. So he was watching. The people that said I shouldn't talk to them, there's no need to talk to them. They said I shouldn't come near their business. I am not coming near their business. So they were attacked. Then I said, God, where were you? God said, I'm here. You said I should wait here. If you have brought me to the building, I will have come in there. I've heard this story before, and there's so many accounts of it, but I don't know whether it's really true, but it illustrates what we are seeing very well. A young man or a young woman, I can't remember whether it's a man or a woman, was living a riotous life, and the mother was very worried. And then one day they were going on a trip. So the mother now said, please, I was going with friends. Let's assume he's a he. He was going with his friends. He said, please, let's, he said, please, my son, take God with you on this journey. Like, let me pray for you people. <laughs> and they all laughed. And the boy said, the car is full. If God wants to come, he should stay in the booth. Of course, they had an accident on the way. And everybody was destroyed, you know, mangled. Everybody died. And then there was a crate of eggs in the booth, and not one cracked. That's the story about it. Now, whether that really happened or not, I don't know, but this illustrates this point very well. That they, said, they laughed and said, God, if you want to come, there was only space in the booth. So God entered the booth and protected the eggs. So even though, you know they call an accident? That could kill human beings, wreck a vehicle. Yet the eggs did not crack because God held them. So when God is saying, recognize me, please, oh, let me say something to you. It's not for his own advantage. He says, I want to keep you the way I kept the eggs. I want to prevent your towers from being brought down. If you would not accept that, then you have to take care of yourself. You have to protect your own towers, protect your own body, because those young people were in the car. Protect yourself from an accident. But because they didn't have the ability, all right, they died, but the eggs that couldn't complain, where they said God should be, God went and stayed there, and he protected. Now, the point I'm making is that anytime we don't recognize God, we are shortchanging ourselves. Now, it is possible for somebody to recognize God in an area of life and not recognize him in another area. We are saying no more foreign gods. What's the reason? Because actually, foreign gods always compete for our attention. They want to distract us from who God is. And listen, I said it many times before, Satan does not have the kind of power we think he has. He has to use what? Tricks. He has to use tricks. He has to use tricks. If he doesn't want you to be blessed, he can't stop, you know, he can't stand in the way and say, no, no blessing in this house. No. What did we do? Let me give an example. Peter said to Jesus, if you are the one, ask me to come. Remember the story? Walking on water. And then Jesus said to Peter, come. And then Peter began to move on water. Did he sink? At that moment, no. For a moment, let's imagine that Satan was trying to make him sink. Please, there's no catch to this. Just answer. Could he push him down? Could he go there, remove the water while Jesus was watching, and then Peter would go down? No, he couldn't. There was only one thing he could do. The only way to make Peter sink into the water was just one way. Distract him. Give him something else to focus on. Sometimes, listen to this, sometimes it's a good thing he uses. Sometimes it's a bad thing. Sometimes it will scare you. The church began to grow. All right? The church in Jerusalem, the first church. 
Now, what was the way to stop them from growing? That growth was the only way you could use. I don't know whether you caught that. The church began to grow. So, the people now said, because of the growth, there's so much disorder. So, pastor, please. Oh, okay, the apostles, we know, Peter and Co. Can you arrange things? They said, no. Why is the church growing? We are preaching the word of God and we are praying. If we reduce the attention to put order in the church, after a while, there will be nothing to put order into. So the only compromise, find amongst yourselves people who handle the order. But as for us, Peter said to them, we must continually give our attention to prayer and to the ministry of the word. Now, what I'm going to say, if Satan was going to kill that church, Satan did not need to use any fight. He just needed to distract Peter, James, John, Andrew, Philip, all of them. Just distract them. So they will come and start strategizing. Now this church is growing. How do we handle money? Uh, Peter, uh, John, you raise money. You are very good at raising money. Okay, we need money to build a bigger building. Um, okay, what do we do? Um, we need a building that can be able to sit like 10,000 people. And every time they come, they're discussing building. Then before preaching, ah, uh, you just say what a prayer for us. And then they go. Know the truth? The church will remain for some years. Then they start going down. How, now, did Satan succeed? Will Satan have succeeded in that regard? So to, so to speak, yes. But not by fighting them directly, but by doing what? Distracting them. By distracting them. He doesn't have the kind of power people think he has. These are his tricks. Let's get practical a bit. Some years ago in my house, of course, then my children will be going to school. My wife is a very, very dedicated mother. All my children, she will collect their homework, scrutinize it line by line. If you spell something wrong, she will find it. If your teacher gives a wrong example, she will be in the school the next morning. To ask the teacher, why did you tell my... Like once, they told my, one of my kids, examples of telecommunication companies in Nigeria, they wrote Nitel. This was like four years ago. So my wife went to the school to come and ask the teacher, which one is Nitel? Which country do you live in? When did Nitel stop existing? You take an old textbook and be teaching children that telecommunication companies in Nigeria is Nitel. Some people wonder what are you talking about. Some of you don't even know there was a Nitel. I don't blame you. I don't blame you. <laughs> so in the morning when they are rushing to go to school, sometimes they are still finishing. And there were a number of kids. They are still finishing homework. You write this one. You do this one. And then they are leaving. They are in a hurry. They have not prayed. So we will pray in the car. Are you catching it? We will pray in the car. Why? Because the prayer is dispensable. There's no teacher to ask, did you pray? There's a teacher to ask, did you do your assignment? There's a teacher that will ask, did you finish all the work that was given for you, for you to do during the weekend? So one day, thank God for the Holy Spirit. I believe it was the Holy Spirit that helped me. So I called my wife. I said, no, this is not good. We are treating God like he's not important. I said, why can't they do the assignment in the car? When I rushing up to school. I don't care the excuse you want to give. I said, from now on, we change the order. We set a time. So the first thing in the day is prayer and study of the word. Every day. That the children are allowed to do just one thing. You either um, um, have breakfast or you have a bath. Now, the reason is because, just so you know, if you drag children out of the bed to come and pray, you may as well lay mat where they are going to pray. They will just continue the, the sleeping. So that when they wake up in the morning... He said to go and have their bath. He said we'll go and eat their breakfast. So by the time you finish doing one thing, 
you'll be fully awake. They will now gather to pray. After praying, those who have not had a bath will not have a bath. Those who not have breakfast will not have breakfast. And then, when that is done, they will now start doing the outstanding assignment. And anyone that won't get done, finish it where? In the car. You know what I realized? Without realizing it, we are falling for a trap of Satan. And we are training the children without realizing that prayer is not important. The ministry of the word, we're showing that it's not important. We're explaining without saying it. Just by the way, I'm talking about raising kids now, you know, just briefly. Without using those words, we're telling the children that, listen, pray when you have the time. Study the world when there's nothing else to do. It's something you do, so it becomes easy, it become easy for them later on to say, uh, no, no, Bible study time. We are watching uh, Manchester United supposed to pray, play in Yimba that day, and it's not a common experience. No. How often do you get Manchester United and Ayinba play? Not often, right? Maybe like in the last, last 200 years, I have that many times. Not once, okay. <laughs> Zero in 200 years. No. So if it wants to happen, another the match is in Enugu, Namde Azikiwe Stadium. go to church. They say, Pastor, when next are you going to see this kind of thing? And if you raise your hand, they'll think like that, yes. Book me the tape, but they are not willing to watch the match after. I don't know where you are getting my point. After all, the match is going to be recorded. Why are you not willing to watch the match after? Why do you want to watch it live, but you don't want to hear the word live? Sometimes we are training people like that. So I said to them, no, we will not do that anymore. And it became the new order in the house. Later on, what we did was to set a particular time. If you can do whatever you want to do, 6 a.m., be at the prayer point. So when it's time to pray, see people coming in wet all over with towel around the waist <laughs> because it's 6 a.m. Some, they've not had their bath. They have to do something else. Some are really dressed who are very, very fast. But the thing is that this is prayer time. That was all Peter was explaining. Again, let me drop this as part of this child raising thing. Please, this habit, many of us who have heard me before, you've heard this before, just felt like saying it again. Stop telling, giving children small, small change to give offering in church. It's bad. You are not teaching them how to give. You are teaching them how not to honor God. I grew up like that also. It's a normal thing. I grew up when people were using coins. All children give. We used to call it sissy. That's all children give. You gave children coins. Initially it was half cover. Those of us who are old enough, some of you didn't know there was half cover. Some of you in Nigeria stopped having half cover before you were born. The big money was only given by parents. The impression you are giving children without realizing it is that offering is not important. In your mind, it's because they are small. But what you are doing without realizing that you are saying to them, offering is not important. I don't believe in all this. You can't, you can't go to church without dropping something. Me, I don't believe it. You know, I'm not a typical preacher, especially when it comes to the area of money. I'm sure by now you have noticed it. Have you observed that? <laughs> So was, yeah. <laughs> what else are you about? That is what you're about. <laughs> I was say, no, you can never go to the presence of God without an offering. I don't know where they got that from. So the Bible says, you will not appear before me empty-handed. Israel used to appear before God three times a year. You go how many times a week? How many times a week? Twice. Depending on how we count it, because that early morning devotion, it counts. Maybe you should have an offering basket in your own sitting room. That doctrine, I don't understand where we got it from. 
Okay? Now, so I tell parents, you don't have to, the children don't have to give money every Sunday. They, they can if you wish. But for me, the way my wife and I did is that it's more important that they see the size of the money. Than all this money must be every Sunday. So sometimes it's once a month. My wife will now give them the biggest one of them. Put money, good money in an envelope. Say, give to your uncle in children's church that this is offering for you and your siblings. The idea is so that they will see that when they open, you know, they will see the envelope. They will see the content. The number of 1,000 Naira notes inside. That this is how offering is given. Because it's exactly the same way you pay when you are at the mall. <laughs> I hope you're getting my point. It's the way you pay their school fees. It's the way you do things for them. So let them know also that doing things for God is that important. If you give them, let's use today's Naira, which is uh, the value is different from the former one, uh, the ones we used to have. If you give them, what's today's Naira? 50, 50 Naira, 100, 100 Naira. All right? In their mind, don't forget, that's the same one you give out out of the window when your traffic stops, when boys come to beg, remember? When they clean your glass and you hand money, it's the same one you give. So without you realizing, you are telling them, God is a beggar. The work of God is to be treated with the same you know, attitude as I treat people who clean my glass at traffic stops and I give them something. That's just an aside. I like to drop that for parents all the time. If you want to give money to the work of ministry, let the children be aware so that they will know that this is what it means. Tell them, ah, we're going to give an offering. How much is it? It's a hundred thousand naira. What is it for? For so and so and so thing. Just let them know that this is how money is given. That's an aside, okay? Now, let me now get back to the main thing. I like to drop things like that here and there. So, what we say about um, distraction? So, the only thing Satan can do is to distract us. And I was saying, distraction comes two ways. Good things and then bad things. Good things can be a distraction. The growth in the church was a distraction. It was a potential distraction. But Peter and Co. knew how to manage it. We're not talking now about their management method, but for you to realize, for us to realize that it could have been a distraction. And that is how Peter, uh, Satan gets power. You know, talking to my wife a few days ago, I, I, I told her something that she should observe. Those who deliberately forsake the word of God for whatever excuse they have, they don't do well. Let me say this to you. I'm not kidding about it. If you ever treat God as if he's not important, if you ever treat him as if he's secondary, you will suffer for it. I'm saying this as a warning to Christians. You know, the problem is that we don't want, you know, we don't want. We always say that God will bless. God does not always bless. He disciplines. I hope you're getting my point. He doesn't always bless. Okay, let's use the word. He always blesses. But for him, discipline is what? A blessing. The one that the father loves, what does he do? Chastises. And I'm saying this to you as a matter of fact. God actually, that's one thing people don't realize. And I believe that the Holy Spirit wants me to keep reminding the church. God disciplines his children. And the one thing I'm giving is this. Please, I'm not kidding about this. But a few days ago, my wife and I sat and analyzed and I showed her what I was trying to say. You know, there are times I've, seen, I've, I've talked to people before. Now, please, let me just say this. This is not a back kingdom world ministry. So. This is not a back kingdom world ministry. If you know me very well, I pray for people. I invite people these days to come and hear me teach. Let's come and study the word of God together. Okay? 
But I'm not saying this because I want to tell him, please make sure you come to Kingdom Word. It's not about Kingdom Word. It's about the Word. I hope you're getting my point. It is about the Word. It's not about Kingdom Word Ministries, which is our own platform here. When we say Kingdom Word Ministries, just this arrangement we have, you know, this hall, this platform, you know, these cameras here, and these air conditioners, these um, computers, the projector, the broadcast, the YouTube channel, all of that organization we put together to make sure this word is disseminated. It's what we call Kingdom World Ministries. What I'm talking about is not about Kingdom Word. Don't make that mistake, please. It is about the word. But I will use my experience in Kingdom Word to illustrate it. When people tell me things like, ah, I don't see you in Bible study again, and I start hearing things like, ah, a lot of weekends I go for burial. And I start wondering, how many uncles and fathers and mothers do you have? Because in life, you have to set your priorities. One day they actually told me something, but I couldn't believe it. Of course, I, it, it was shocking, but of course, I just said, oh, no problem. I just want to be sure you are fine. So that usually I wash on Saturdays. Now, I am not the only preacher in the world. If you tell me that on Saturdays, okay, no, I don't have the time because we, you know, I'm concerned about your spiritual well-being. It's not about swelling the number of people that hear me. In fact, right now, most people that listen to me, they don't come to Enugu. They don't even know how to cross the Niger if they are from the other side. I can say for sure 95% or more, no, no, 99% of people that listen to me are not in Enugu. More than half have, ne- what is half? More, more than 70% have never been to Enugu. It's a normal thing. It's not, the reason is because, listen, we have a website that has over almost 1,500 messages. It's been there now for more than 15 years. We've had web, you know, been uploaded on the website for more than 15 years. As of today, we broadcast on 24 radio stations, 23 or 24, I'm not very sure, in Nigeria. Okay? Our YouTube channel is there. You know, there are all kinds of avenues. And then, of course, our books are out there free of charge. You know, Worship and Sex Control, that was released just a few weeks ago, as now has been downloaded over 2,000 times. Now, that's the one that was directly downloaded. The ones shared, I'm not talking about that. You know, like somebody has it, you know, Bluetooth it to his friend, sends by WhatsApp. And I'm not talking about that one. The one that the person had to get from our server. So, I'm not saying it because I'm looking for who will listen to me. The truth. I'm not. But it always amazes me when people will find small, easy excuses to abandon coming to hear the word of God. And I'm like, excuse me? If I said every time you come over here, I'll give you $100. You know, this excuse will vanish. And let me tell you the truth. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he has anointed me to teach his word. So what I'm saying is not bragging. What I give every day is more than $100. Should I be telling stories of deliverance people have shared? One brother sent us a mail the other time. He may be listening to this. It was very funny. His mail was to thank me for deliverance from betting. He said he was addicted to betting, which you know is an evil thing. I think if, if I remember the story, well, I'm not very sure now. But the one part of it that I remember very well was that his mother talked to him. And he was brazen about it. And he said to himself, until Pastor Banky says this wrong, he didn't say anything wrong with Betty. Then one day, I think he turned towards life. He said, he can't repeat the words I said that day. Fear. <laughs> that is the fear that came upon him after I preached. I just spoke to people who were betting. 
He said, sir, that was two years ago. Since then, I have not... <laughs> in two years, he hasn't placed one bet in two years. Of course, you look back over his life and see how he has been wasting money. That's before that time. You know, how he had wasted money and stuff like that. One day I was talking with a particular lady. One of our friends. Just talking about some of the things you have to do as a pastor. And I said, oh, I had a discussion with somebody. I said this. And she smiled. He said, sir, in counseling, that's 50,000 naira. He said, that's one counseling session. You just give out free of charge. And counseling, of course, is expensive. But I do mass counseling. You know that. TDG started woman that would lose because of need to reduce the amount of time he spent counseling. He found out that each person he spoke to, most of them, the women, had similar problems. So he gathered everyone. So mass counseling. I do that all the time. I'm going to explain something here. So I, am, I don't have any doubt in my mind. People have gotten healed while we are preaching. People have been healed of diseases they did not know existed. One brother said he got married because I gave a word of prophecy. He held it, and before the end of that year, he was married. I joked with him. He was sitting with one lady. That's the one that made me laugh. He said, I just made a joke. I, I packed, passed. I was like, ah. Two of you look like very nice couple. He said, he must marry that. There's nothing she wants to say. You are marrying me. The prophet has spoken. <laughs> they are married today. Now, so I'm trying to compare what we do with somebody handing out $100. But if I was giving $100 out, now I'm not talking about the general world. Of course, they, they, they know nothing about money, right? I'm talking about Christians. Many of these excuses they give in fact, even if I don't give out every day, if I say, okay, every month, if you have been around six times, you get $100. <laughs> By now, we're not here. Are you getting my point? We'll cut space. People be logging in. Say, how, do you, how, how can we register that we have logged in online? So that we'll... All these excuses and stories of I was busy, somebody died, somebody did not die, I had to go somewhere. They do disappear. The young woman I was talking about, I asked her that day, she said that she washes on Saturdays. Now, once you tell me that kind of thing, I won't even, you must understand, I don't believe you have reached the level in which we can have a conversation on spiritual, on important things. If, you know, because there are things you think, you shouldn't say them, that if you have enough understanding, I can't, ah, I can't tell Pastor Banky this, even if it was true, you will have known enough of life and me as a person that I can't give this as an excuse. So once you open my, your mouth and say to me, um, you know, I wash my clothes. That Saturday is when I have the time to cook. You know, I'm busy on Sundays. I'm busy on, from Monday work starts. And, then, you know, so Saturday is the only time I have to cook my house in order and all of that. As you are saying that, I, okay, I say, okay, all right, all right. You know, in my mind, oh, foolish Galatia, you know nothing. Why is a human being so spiritually dull? Like, that's what I'm thinking. I'll be trying to you. I'll be looking. How... Low can somebody be spiritually and still be surviving? That's what I think I'm thinking. As you're talking, I'm not looking at it like, eh, okay. Eh. I, I'm not thinking, that's what I'm thinking. Because all these excuses will vanish. If I was handing out $100 for seeing you at least six times a month, what am I going to emphasize? Our sense of value matters. And God judges that thing. If God draws you close to his word, you hear the truth, then suddenly you don't have time. I'm sorry to say it, you're under judgment. Uh, uh, please, please. Like, remember I said, it's not about me. You're suddenly under judgment. I like one thing Bishop Oedipo used to say those days. 
He said, no word of God that comes to you ever leaves you the same. He says, either it's building you up or it's bringing you down. He said, never leaves you the same way it met you. In the same way I've noticed, the call of God is like that. If it draws you close, he said, blessed is the one whom you choose and whom you cause to approach unto you. It's a blessing. If it draws you close, he wants to impart a blessing. If you walk away, you are not going back to where you used to be. You are going lower down than where you ever were. I hope you're getting my point. No, that is the way it works. I, this was just a few days ago. That maybe like in the last one, two weeks, my wife and I, I said I was showing some things to her. I said, no, you don't disregard the Lord. And you go scot free. It doesn't happen. It would have been better if you never knew him. Now, let's get back to Satan. Satan knows this. All he ever does is try to distract people. He will find everything to distract you. You know what I found out? When God was speaking to Joshua, he said, this book, no, no, let's just quickly go back there. I want to show us something. Joshua chapter 1. We all know verse 8. But let's just go back up to, so save time, I'll just start reading from verse um, 6. Oh, okay, let, let just, I will, okay, let me start from verse 1. Then I'll jump, jump, jump so as to get it in context, but without taking too much time. Now it came about after the death of Moses that the Lord spoke to Joshua, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, cross this Jordan, you and all the people, to the land which I am giving to them, to the sons of Israel. Every place on which the sole of your feet, your foot treads, I have given to you, just as I spoke to Moses. He said, no man, verse 5, no man will be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I have been with Moses, I will be with you. I will not fail you or forsake you. Now, please, let me slow down now. Verse 6 says, be strong and courageous. For you shall give these people possession of the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. He now said, only be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, so that you may have success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have success. Let me stop reading here. Why did I read this? I want to talk about courage and strength. He said to him, be strong and courageous. Now, in verse 7, he said, only be strong and very courageous. Notice next thing. Be careful to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. You know what I want to, to understand here? When I first read this, the first impression I had was that we are going to battle, don't be afraid. And that's what comes to mind when you hear about strength and courage. But if you look at it closely, that was secondary. Because he said to him, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. If you meditate therein day and night, and you observe to do all that is written therein, what will happen? You will make your way prosperous, and you will have success. He didn't say if you are strong in battle. Now what, is that, what does that tell you? His strength, his courage, was in the book of the law. The strength he was supposed to have, it was in obedience to the law. The strength he was supposed to have, let me explain, is when they would say, Sir, the Ammonites are gathering. And they will say, I'm coming. I am meditating. 
I don't know whether I get my point. And they will say to him, sir, but the Ammonites are about to Ammonites are about to come upon us. He said, I said, be back in 30 minutes. That is when I'm leaving the place of meditation. It takes strength. It takes courage to do that. That was what Saul did not have. That's what he didn't have. Someone said, wait. He said, the people are departing from me. I will come and offer the sacrifice. It takes strength and courage to stand there and say, no, I will wait as I was commanded. This book of the law shall not depart. There are times people will make you look as if you are the one that's a fool. You don't have sense. Why? Because you are believing God. It takes strength and courage to say, yes, I am believing God. Let's see what God will do for you. Let us see. It takes strength and courage to be able to stand on the principles of scripture. What am I going to say? Sometimes, when it is time to go and pay attention to the word of God, and the distractions come, that is when you need what? Strength and courage to tell everybody I'm sorry. Now, you know the truth? If I tell people now as an example, using my life as an example now, that if you look over the last, since 2003, okay, that you can count the number of Saturdays that I was, I've not been in Enugu by 5 p.m., especially that I'm not somewhere else preaching, that you can count it. But now if, that is, since 2004, we began this one and three. Okay? That is 2004. We're in the year 2022 now. Yeah. So, it's getting to 18 years. Okay? If I tell you that you can count, you, you'll be I'm like, ah, are you serious? I say, yes. So, how did you manage? I said, well, socials. People have asked me, sir, how have you been able to do this? I said, let me explain to you. There are most, most socials I don't attend. If you want to attend an important event, Make sure it's in Enugu. If it's out of town, I narrow that one to the barest minimum. Listen, my auntie died. My hometown is over in Ondo State. Then it was, road wasn't too bad, but the traffic had to pass through nature. But then driving continuously, nonstop, you budgeted five hours to get there from Enugu. Now, that's allowing just three and a half hours to get to Bini. Really, it's a little more than that. The day she was buried, would it surprise you that I see priest here? I see priest here. Of course, Thursday, I was down home. Did all the family, this and this. Saturday night, wake you. Saturday morning, I drove my mom and her very good friend, her bosom friend, to the church. As she came down, I told her bye-bye. And hit the express. I was driving as if Enugu was running away. By 4.30, I was in town. I was back on my pulpit. By 5 o'clock, people didn't know I went anywhere. If I told you that I attended, I got a church service for my auntie's funeral that morning in Owo, in Nunduste, you would have been surprised. My wife was the first to marry in her family. All her siblings wedded. I attended all the weddings. Yet, I did not miss one Bible study here. And they all wedded in Benin. I will go the day before now, or the traditional thing. Sunday service were there. Halfway through service, I whispered to my wife. Her father never knew I wasn't there. Her mother never knew I wasn't there. The people where they don't know, but I'm not there. Of course, we're there the night before together. Get to the service together. 
Sometimes I'm there to take pictures. Sometimes I'm not there to take pictures. I just whisper to my wife. I enter the car. Sometimes I just drive out to the church. She comes down. I see you later. Pam, I have turned. 3.30, I'm back in town. Now, it sounds all right because I'm what? The preacher. It sounds okay. But let me say something to you. God expects such sacrifices from those who hear, who hear also. Those who hear, oh, they will also make such sacrifices. He said, be strong and what? Courageous. That's where you need the strength and the courage to say to people, no, I have to go and pray. To say, no, I have to gather with the brethren to hear the word of God. No, we have a prayer meeting on Tuesday. No, can you shift this thing? I say, ah, it's going to be hard. I'm sorry, guys. I will not be able to attend this one. You rearrange prayer. Do you get my point? It's a sign of faith. Because the only power Satan has is distraction. Is distraction. See, and that's what I'm talking about today. Modern gods, modern gods, see, those days they had shrines. Those days they had idols, no? A god is something you worship. It's, it's not something you see with the eyes. It's spiritual. Let's just use the word spiritual. It's in the realm of the spirit. An idol, the difference between a god and an idol, even though we use them interchangeably, is that an idol is a physical object. Do you get my point? An idol is a physical object. So, if you are going to worship Baal, as an example, you will be serving the spiritual Baal, demon spirits, but you will bow before an idol called Baal. That idol has nothing. It's a piece of wood. Or a piece of metal. But what God judges you for is departure from God and allowing evil spirits into your life to control you. This is the point I'm going to make. Those days, people worshipped idols. But listen to this. Listen to this carefully. The spirits remain the same. The gods are still out there. But they don't use idols anymore. Did you hear what I said? Foreign gods are still out there. It's just that they don't use idols. So many people are worshipping them without buying down physically before anything. So the measure of worship in this modern day is different. So you can find somebody who is worshipping other gods who have never used his head to touch the ground to anybody. You'll find somebody worshipping other gods who have never laid prostrate in a strange temple. You will find somebody worshipping another god who cannot recognize the other god he's worshipping. And his temple currently is a church building, so he does not know he's an idol worshiper. I hope you're getting my point. So it's very important to understand modern forms of worship. The modern form of worship, especially in idolatry these days, eh, is hardly physical. As in, are we prostrating? Are we offering blood sacrifices? Listen to me. Blood sacrifices still exist. Okay? However, most people who, especially Christians, who worship other gods now, they don't offer blood sacrifices. Some things are kind of outdated. They don't. They don't. They don't. They don't. You see, many of these countries will say that they, uh, they, they are like they are like this. Pure idolatry. Worship of other gods. But they don't have temples. They don't have temples. You don't even see a bar there anymore. Behind some do. But in the open... You don't, you hardly see. But the same spirits are still being worshipped all the time. Please, I hope you're getting my point. 
Please, I'll try and build up. I'll get to this thing that I've just said now again in a moment. But let me just try and connect what I was trying to say earlier. So you see, Satan tries to distract us. It's only in distraction that he cuts us off. That's why I went into that. It's only in distraction he cuts us off from the flow of the Spirit. To continually walk by the power of the Spirit, you need courage to make sure that you are not cut off. You need courage. You need courage. You need courage to just say, let me give you an example. Do you know, many people will glad, let us assume now, please. Again, I am not preaching Kingdom World Ministries. It's just I'm a teacher of the word. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he has anointed me to bring his word to his people. So I have to speak like this. There are people that maybe God says, this is the season of your life. One brother came to Enugu some time ago. Initially, very funny guy. See these seats, you, two of you are sitting on now. It was not in this venue, or a former venue. He always took one of these two seats. Usually this one. The one directly in front of me. I saw him all the time. You know why he always got the seat? He came first. You couldn't get the seat before him. You didn't come that early. The one, I've been seeing, like, who is this guy? And the one I'm talking, know this kind of people that. This guy is following me up and down. You know, see where I'm moving up and down like this? This guy is following me up and down. He never, listen to what I want to say, he never one day dozed while I was preaching. You couldn't distract him while I'm talking. Then one day, NYC Christians, they invited me to come and preach in their program. I got there somewhere. They had a building on the way to Four Corner. I entered the place. Who did I see? The same guy sitting down there in front again. Ah. Are you in NYC? No. Under the, the Baptist church invited me in to go and preach. I entered the hall. Who did I see? This sitting in front there. Ah, this guy, are you stalking me? Guess what? He was stalking me. Anywhere he saw within a new environment, he got the notice. Or somebody announced, he saw a poster anywhere that I was going to preach. He marked it down. Marked the time that everything is going to be there. So one day I got talking with him. Are you, are you NYC member? He said, no, sir. He has finished NYC. He's not a copper. Ah. Uh-huh. So what are you doing in Enugu? He said, I came to Enugu to listen to you. Now, I wanted to leave that at the end so that you will get how it began. That he served somewhere in Abias, and when he was done with NYC, he contacted my messages that time. He said, no, he needed to hear the word of God for a season. So he came to Enugu. I went to the NYC family house and begged them that whether he can patch with them for a while. What are you doing in town? I came to listen to one man of God. So that's why you saw him following me everywhere, because that's what he came to do in town. Anywhere he heard I was preaching, he went. <laughs> How did he get money to be living? It's a good question, right? He said one day he just got to die when he didn't have money. He, went, he walked to one school. Introduced himself, told them what he could do. And I should just let him start teaching. And anything they like at the end of the month, they can give him. If they die, they didn't give him anything. They just need to keep himself busy during the day. So he, after he worked for the first month or so, they liked him, so they started paying him a regular salary. And that's how he got money. 
And he sat down there and said, this is, he told me it's flat. So he just came to do that for a season. And I can't remember how long that season was, but it was many months, possibly over a year. That's why, you know, that's why he didn't miss, he didn't, he couldn't play, he didn't have time to do what I'm preaching. It was expensive. I don't know what I get my point. His mates had gone to look for work. His mate had gone to look for business. They are trying to break out quickly, buy a card. No. He, he, he dedicated maybe like a whole year to, so he couldn't waste any moment. So if he, anywhere he heard I was preaching in this city or nearby, he went. So it, it used to be a shock when I entered the hall and I said, this is what he had to get here. He was there, I found out he was tracking me literally. So anytime I would speak, he had to be present. He took time out. His friends had gone to look for money. No, he didn't go. Now, why did I tell that story? Do you know many people, maybe they didn't have to travel. God gave them that kind of you know, assignment for a season. Satan will come and give them money for that same season. They walk away from the focus for the moment and pursue the money. And they sell destiny. People don't know. You know, if someone said, I'm relocating today. You know, they never discuss which church will you attend when you get there. It's which work will you do. Have you noticed? People don't discuss. Spirituality is hardly considered when we're moving up and down. It's as if it's a... It's one of those things. We'll solve it when we get there. We can relocate to go and get a job. We can change our lives, discard our certificates to start life again because of money and constant power and all of that. But how many people will ever say, I'm resigning this job because, that's I told the story of that young man, that I need to go somewhere let me leave Pastor Banking for a moment. I'm not the only person. I listened to Billy Akoni. He connected with me so seriously. I think God wants to release his spirit to me through him. So I have to resign from the job I'm doing in Nungu for now. I'm moving over to Boko for at least 18 months. I'll be back. What work will you do there? I'm not sure. But when I get there, I'll find something. You know, this reasoning is is strange amongst us believers. It's a sign of idolatry. But if I said the same thing, that, ah, pastor, you've been a tremendous blessing, you know. I'll be living. Where? I got another job, so and so and so place. Which one will be going there? Hey, the church is there now. When we get, we will find. You know, nobody feels anything about it. Nobody feels anything about it. You just feel like, okay, you are smart. It's normal. It's so normal with us. It's so, you know, it's so normal. We don't think anything of it. So people will tell you sometimes, that's the argument I have with my classmates sometimes. One day we're talking, everything about Nigeria, they say, in Sena climbs, in Sena climbs, you know they call Sena climbs. In the environment where things are Sena. So one day I told my friends, I said, guys, this sanity depends on which level you are looking at it. And everybody has a degree of insanity. I told them. I said, it just depends on the insanity you want to live with. I said, some of the things you guys live with, in the midst of constant power, good road, and all of that, I can't live with, to me, irregular power is more tolerable 
than having a man married to a man teach my child in school. And I can't say anything. I'm not condemning you, but please stop insulting my intelligence. What matters to you is different from what matters to me. Let's leave it there. In life, we have to live for some. That's what I just tell people. Now, you know, I always say, learn lesson from his victory. You will learn things from people. Do you know Osama bin Laden's father was worth over $2 billion? If I remember where the man was worth between two and four billion US dollars, he had 30 something children. One of them was Osama Ibn Laden. We call him Bin Laden now. You know, the West would anyway. Do you know the man was here with his brothers and sisters to the fortune of almost four billion US dollars? Are you aware of that fact? Yet he said he wanted to fight a jihad. He walked away from everything and was living in caves. There was no power where he used to live. He walked in dry lands with an AK-47. The image of him carrying an AK-47, one of the most, you know, it became an iconic image. That's what I told you that time. Listen, that God said, this is your country. If you want it, I will give you. There are people who want it. Who we abandon fortunes, $4 billion worth of inheritance with their brothers and say, I need to go and get a land for Allah. Yet, the soldiers of Jesus Christ we abandon their own land and say, I need to buy a house for my children. <laughs> What's the value of the house? $200,000. That they will labor for 20 years for. That's why I said what I said before and I said it again. Because in your country, God says the Lord to the church in Nigeria, if you want it, I will give you. But you have to show me that you want it. It's in little sacrifices. I gave Osama bin Laden as an example. Listen, you can join. Listen, is he in hell, whatever? I don't know. That's what I'm talking about. But let me tell you about success. Did he succeed or he failed? I will tell you, he succeeded. Because he said to America, I will make you fear. He said, I will make you fear in your homes. I will make you fear on the road. I will make you fear in your bedrooms. Because of him, you get to the airport, you remove your belt still today in Nigeria. Because of him, you remove your shoes still today when you get to the airport in Nigeria. It's the reason why you can't take a drink that you brought on board an aircraft. You get to check in. They open it. You have to finish drinking it before it's time to board. Ordinary water. You can't have can drink. That's, it's because of him. You carry a laptop, international travel. They say, put it on. You can take a laptop on board. They don't have a problem with it, but you must put it on first. It has to boot. When they see it coming on, you can close it. Oh, yeah, you cannot go in. He made us afraid. Once my wife and I, the last time I went to the U.S., the, the program went for good enough. We held in Atlanta, and we're flying from Atlanta out of um, the U.S. So, you know me, I have an Enugu mind. You know the Enugu man's mind is very funny. When it comes to Enugu man at the airport, it is a flight is 8 o'clock. You leave your house at uh, 7 o'clock. As long as you get there, 
and then you will check in and then just go and go and sit down. That thing is <laughs> God has been delivering me. I've learned now. So that day my friend said that, Banky, I think you, you guys have to start going. I'm like, ah, oh boy, we still have like three hours worth of flight time now. So you guys have to start going. He says, it's, it's Atlanta Airport. I didn't get his point. Anyway, he arranged. We entered. When we got there, then I understood. Oh boy. The queue just to scan us to enter. We stood on that queue for one hour. That was what my friend knew. Me that came from Enugu, I did not know. <laughs> the guy was just looking. Say, Bank, you guys have to start going. You have to start going. And this one, though, if you see the thing that's scanning, just form, 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 it scans each person in a few seconds. Yet we're on that queue for almost an hour. It's one of the world's biggest, busiest airports. Because of whom? Osama. Ibn Laden. You want to talk about failure? Not him. You may not like the fact that he's as an antichrist, but that he failed? No. He achieved his aim. He never thought that he could defeat America, but he said he would drive them out of Muslim lands. Did he not run away from Afghanistan? Why am I talking about him? His father was worth about four billion, between two and four billion dollars. He had 30 something siblings. If they shared the money equally, he would have gone home with some scores of millions of, um, at least some plenty millions of dollars. But he abandoned all of it to carry an AK 47 and stay in caves, right? Horseback, camelback, you know, military vehicles, and all of that. Then they give us the same land free of charge. Oh, for information, Afghanistan also, it's, not, also, it's also not a developed country when they move over there to go and fight with the Mujahideen. He went from one land to the other before a tabernacle in Afghanistan. When they came out of there, he went and hid in Pakistan. What was, what, you know what was driving him? The zeal for the kingdom of Allah. That was all that was driving him. Now we claim we have a superior kingdom, but we can't suffer for it. <laughs> I have told you before about the righteousness of God. Once I prayed about it, I said, God, why did you you'll be watching? Because precious in the sight of God is the death any one of his saints. You know what that means? The death of any one of his saints is very important to him. So he personally watches over it. He was watching Stephen stoned. And we know Stephen saw him watching. After conversing with, with Paul, Paul wrote to Timothy. He said, I've finished the course. I've run the race. I've kept the faith. He said, I'm not ready to be offered up as a drink offering. It was because of what Jesus let him know. So Jesus gave him up to be offered up as a drink offering. So we believe that he was beheaded. So he stood there and said, Paul, tomorrow, beheading is tomorrow. Are you ready? <laughs> he observed it. What am I going to say? I mean, look at the way he spoke to the church in, in um, uh, um, the, those, the churches in, in, in Revelation. 
saying, the days of Antipas, my servant who was killed. And he was watching. His faithful servant, he called him Antipas. So one day I looked, I looked, I said, God, what is it now? Like, why do you, I mean, are there no better things to do for your, this is your saints, this is your servants? The story of Polycarp brings tears to the eyes. And you wonder, say, Lord, what is all of this? You know what I found out? Basically, for God, it's a test of value. It's a proof to him of value. He says to the people, I died for the world, you will die for them too. The early world then knew that Jesus died for them because they saw the saints die for them. Of all the apostles of Jesus Christ, not one died naturally. I used to say, apart from John, until they told me that who told me John died. So I kept my mouth shut. Thomas was killed in India. You can see visit his grave till today. Till today. That's how all of them sacrificed themselves because the Lord commanded it. And he said for them to be effective for him, they will not love their lives even unto death. God is very faithful. Though. Very, very faithful and very, very righteous. But he has made up his mind that his people must determine. They should let him know what they are living for. Let me go back to what I said about Nigeria. God said, I will give this country to those that want it. Even though I have given a word concerning the nation to the church. But first of all, I have to raise a church. People that want it. I must first raise people that want it. First of all, we have to raise a people. If they are contending with people that want it more than them, you should forget it. All right, the Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. So let's get back to what I was saying. Distraction is the only thing Satan has to offer. He doesn't have power. So he offer us anything to distract us. He offered the... I've not finished developing that. There are two things. He can offer us what? Good things. Then sometimes bad things. Fearful things. What he gave to Peter was a scary one. The waves began to move. Everything began to shake. And he looked at Peter. I'm going to kill you. And as soon as Peter decided to focus on that angle, he became afraid. Fear is a spirit. You imbibe it from where you are focused. Do you get my point? Yeah, that's how it is. It's a spirit. The spirit of faith is like that too. If you hang around people who have faith, you come to a place where faith is discussed. You will suddenly have faith. I don't know whether you're getting my point. You will, have, you will just be having faith. It's not from information. Don't think it's from communication, but not from information. It's just the passing of what? Spirits. You just sit with the brethren, you just tell stories. And your faith is boosted. And by the way, in your life you will identify those who drain your faith. Avoid them. They are agents of Satan. Be very, very careful. So what did Satan do to Peter? He just distracted him. And infused him with the spirit of fear. And as soon as fear took over in his life, he began to sink. He began to sink. He began to sink. So let's be careful in this life. Alright? Remember I said courage is to what? Maintain attention on the Lord. That's what the, Because it's real things that he used to distract people. 
you know, they, they remember that story I told? Somebody said that, ah, if a day before your wedding, they decide to invite you for a, a, a particular contract that's worth 300 million naira, let's even assume it's $2 million. Let's just make it easy. $10 million. And they say it can only be, you know, what's the word? Signed, negotiated, and signed on your wedding day. So you have to travel on your wedding day. What will you do? So you now see people begin to talk. Ah, there's one guy very loud-mouthed in his chat group, but very, very vehement. Very, very loud. He said, ah, it's only your wife you owe. <laughs> yeah, look at, I looked at the guy. Only your wife you owe. You know, the way I look at things is different. For me, it's not about the job. It's not about the prosperity. It's about temptation for my values. It's about temptation for my values. Somebody's asking me, what exactly will you give? And I'll look at it and say, wait, wait. I'll look at the wife I'm about to marry. Say that you must be worth more than this $10 million. <laughs> because for Satan to bring it on that day, this my marriage must be very important. So I will hold on to that which I cannot see and forsake that which I can see. I hope you get my point. That's the concept behind it. It is not about uh, money or no money. You must understand this life, eh? Spiritual things are more important. Don't forget this material side of it. Spiritual things are more important. The spiritual qualities and traits of life, they are more important. If you gain materially and you lose spiritually, you have lost. Did you hear what I said? If you gain materially and you lose spiritually, you have lost. But if you lose materially but you gain spiritually, you have gained. It's very, very important. Satan can only offer distractions. Back to where we began from. I'm walking back now. I went one way. I'm not going back to where we began from. So this is why God keeps on saying, I am God and there is none else. You know, I said, I'll come back to something I said along the line. Let me not get back to it now. God says, I am God and there is none else. I am God and there is none else. I said, when I was giving an example earlier, in that barber shop, remember? I said, many people giving advice. They did not use the word doctor, doctor, doctor. I'm doctor this, I'm doctor that. But they were saying, I'm the one that healed the child. I hope you're getting my point. So basically, we are all occupying the position of what? Physician. Thank you. Of a doctor. We're occupying a particular position in that child's life at that particular moment. Now, what I'm going to say is that we may not have used the word, but what were we doing? In the same manner, in our lives, there are many things compete for the title of God without using the word God. And to God is so important. That's why he said, I am God and there is none else. And what I'm teaching today, okay, is to emphasize the fact that modern day gods are not, they don't operate with idols. Most of them. The gods that are a temptation to Christians. No Christians, no matter how low they are in faith. If you carve something, they say they should bow down. They will rebuke you. Did you get my point? How do you drag a Christian into a and say, bow down here. Kiss that red cloth. Rub that distance and say, I worship you. No matter the disease that's worrying him and the need in his life, he will not agree. He will walk away. That elementary level of idol worship, the average believer today passed it long ago. You know, it's very, very difficult. It's very difficult. Ah, No, they tell you one brother is back. You now see him. 
bowing down before the shrine of Shongo, even Shongo will not accept. Shongo will look like, guys, guys, what are you people up to? That one is a church boy. What is he doing here? He said, he wants to worship me. He said, lie, lie, they never come. He said, Shongo, let him worship now. He said, I will fire you now. I said, drive the boy away. Even Shongo will not accept the worship. It's too dangerous. Because after they sneak into Shongo's shrine now and then cast out all the spirits, Shongo will now be without his shrine. Shongo will be afraid. <laughs> because it's a strange sight. Say, what have we seen today? Ah, pastor came to our shrine. Very, very unusual thing. But listen to this. The Bible says what? I, I need to read this scripture. Very important. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. So you get that what I'm saying is actually based on scripture. Remember I said a God is a spirit. Remember I said that? Okay, you're opening Bible. You're not listening to me. Do you remember me saying that a God is a spirit? But an idol is physical. Remember that? That will, people worship the spiritual, that is these gods that are spiritual beings by bowing before the physical idol. Remember that I said that. But I now said that it is possible to worship that God without the idol. And that modern day people, especially Christians, hardly fall for idol worship, even though they can have strange gods in their lives. Just to show you a particular scripture that explains a bit of that. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. I'll just read the particular uh, uh, two verses. Verse 3. And even if our gospel is veiled, Paul was writing, he said, it is veiled to those who are perishing, in whose case the God of this world has blinded the, eye, the minds of the unbelieving so that they might not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Let me just stop reading here so as to save time. Now you see, the God of this world. So this world has a God. The world, the God, world, I will need to explain it. You must understand something. When the Bible uses the word world, it's not, it didn't say the God of this earth. The world is talking about the system that's on the earth. I hope you get my point. And let me quickly say, that, which is what I actually plan to teach today. Well, if we can start it now, let's see how far we can go. Please, don't be angry with me. I will do as much of it as possible because once I go now, we, next time we come, we'll go somewhere else. It's not good. Well, it's good, but you know, we're not enjoying it. So I feel, now that I've managed, the Holy Spirit has allowed me to enter it, we will stay there. Where is, that, where, where is that you going? It's not home. It's home planning to go away. It's waiting for you. The Lord is good. Now, this is what the... Now, I was talking about the world. The world describes the system that's on the earth at a particular point in time. Let me give an example just to make it easy to understand. Sometimes you talk about communism. That's the world system. Do you get my point? We talk about capitalism. It's a world system. There are different systems in the world. Now, systems, as you can see, the world systems, they have a god and they have gods. Let me, let's put it like that. So, what, the world has gods in its systems. And this is what I want to explain today. The idol that this god actually gives to us now is worldly systems. Did, did you hear me? Before, now, you see the god of this world. So, he's talking about a system on the, on the earth, which is called world. World is not a particular place. World is a system of oppression at a particular time. And he has a God. So when people want to worship a foreign God, usually they bow to a system. Let me use this to explain. Have you heard the word before 666? The expression. 
I wrote a little book on it, which many of you may have read, titled The Mark of the Beast. And in it, I explained that don't worry. People say that um, they are going to plant a chip. When coronavirus came, they said they want to put chip in your hand. You know one reason why I never believed that thing? One reason. I'm not saying it's the only reason. There are many reasons. Don't believe it, number one. Trust me. If you trust me what I'm saying, just don't answer all those things. They are not true. They can't be true. Please go and read the book, The Mark of the Beast. It's on our website. You can download it for free. It's a small book. I wrote it in just a few, few hours, actually. It was supposed to be a small article, but it was so long, I had to make it into a small book. Okay? And because an issue was up that time, when people were trying to describe um, how Bill Gates, I heard all kinds of things. Somebody even said Bill Gates' son is the Antichrist. That his name is William. Will I am. That is the, I'm telling you the truth. He said his will I am. That is a sign that man's will against, I heard all kinds of things. They got to the name of Bill Gates' mother. Calculated the name of her. What did I not see? Let's not even sit on it. That was the time I wrote the book that people forget these things. Though. They said they are going to inject you. And then if you, somebody said if you, if you take the injection, you become a vampire. The same person said it. Because it's communion. You need blood. So you become a vampire. You want to see the video? You are looking, you are looking at me. I will give you the video. I said, eh? So by taking, okay, no, if you take the injection and you eat genetically modified foods, you become a vampire because communion must be complete. I like, somebody say, hey, wait, I like that. I, I, I don't blame you, that reaction. That's why I wrote the book that time. I said, brethren, relax. And I explained f- for your information. Now, I don't know how young I look to you, but I left university, um, secondary school in 1984. And about 1984, I was hearing this thing. How many years ago, 1984? This must I can't calculate it. It's too hard. <laughs> As an architect, so you cannot do small calculation. As at that time, over 35 years ago, I was, this thing you're hearing, I was hearing it that time. Everything that came out that time, they told us the same thing. It's one reason why they didn't take this one serious. I said, anybody in this year, they've not been around long enough. Those of us who don't stay, what have we not heard? When mobile phone came, they would say something. Television came, the devil's box. There was nothing they did not say. Once I was watching, this was in the, I was in the U.S. that time. I was now watching TV in the house. There was a Christian program that was on. I was watching it. I won't tell you the name of the preacher. No, it was not a Christian program that was on. It was a comedian, one American, very good comedian, white guy. Very good. His, his own comedy, he's very cool. He just talks normally, but you almost die with laughter. He's just talking normally. So he was trying to show... Clips of things that people have shown on TV. So he brought this clip from this preacher that I knew, who I watched back in Nigeria also. And the man said, the Antichrist is going to use the internet. The Antichrist is going to tabernacle in the internet. The man went on and on about Antichrist and the internet. So the comedian was like, okay, all right. And I showed this man's announcer at the end of the day. He said, if you want more about our program, please go to www. <laughs> Look at the way you're laughing. Even me, see, I was good and I was alone that day. I was embarrassed, even though I was alone. So the man was confused, like, excuse me, what are you doing on the Antichrist internet? <laughs> it's a comedian, American comedian. See, we have said all kinds of things. Once there was one that was flying around about 20 years ago, 20 something years ago, that Motorola developed a chip. 
that could be implanted either on your hand or on your head. And what is that? Chip, 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 chip. I said two things. Please read the book. I don't want to preach the book now. I said number one. Is the beast literal? No. Is the beast a, a monkey that will become the ruler of the world? Is it a lion and a tiger that will be ruling the world? Is not a human being? No, answer me now. It's going to be a human being, true? That we're calling the beast. We're calling him a beast. So why should his mark be literal? If the beast can be figurative, I can assure you of one thing. His mark is also figurative. The right hand is figurative. The forehead is figurative. I don't want to analyze it now. But what I've told you is the truth. I found out that many people have taken the mark of the beast. I see preaching against the mark of the beast. But they've taken it. Now, what is the mark of the beast? You ask me. Again, it's buying into a world system. Number one, bear something in mind. The beast, for those who are just hearing this for the first time, let me just clarify. The mark of the beast cannot be sneaked up on you. You can't, be, you can't take it by accident. You cannot go to take a vaccine against a virus and they put a the mark inside. It's not possible. Why? The mark is given to those who worship the beast and his image. It is first the worship of the beast. You have to worship the beast first before you qualify for the mark. The mark is not given to Christians. It's not as if you go and greet your friend. Oh, but how now? You'll catch you. Put mark. I don't mark you. You're not going to have no rapture for you. According to one woman who listen to once in a while. Said no rapture for you. <laughs> no. Just for the, those of you they initiated into witchcraft in your dream. Let me just warn you. Your witchcraft into which you were initiated in your dream is false. Unless you were properly initiated in life but manifested in the dream. What do I mean? Young woman, that sugar daddy is a wizard. Yes, go and read my book, Worship and Sex Control. Every time you slept for, with him for money, you sold your destiny to a coven. That is not a joke. After that, you can dream all kinds of dreams. You can dream you were flying at midnight. You didn't fly at midnight. You slept in somebody else's bed at midnight. So, it is the witchcraft you did Last month, I am now dreaming in the dream. Nobody is initiated inside the dream. And what I'm telling you is not a joke. It's not a joke. It's not a joke. I read, wrote in that book, Worship and Sex Control. I read the story from a practicing witch when I was a student. She didn't give her life to Christ. She just wrote to promote witchcraft. But because I get problems here. Are you getting my point? My you know, curiosity can injure the cat. Thank God for the Holy Spirit that doesn't let me get injured. Curiosity does not let me rest. I saw the book. I read it from the beginning to the end. I wanted to see what witches do. The woman was promoting witchcraft. And she described her initiation. I wrote a bit about it inside the book, Worship and Sex Control. But what's my emphasis? Nobody can sneak. Hey, sorry. I talk about the girl that went with sugar daddy, Abby. I forgot the sugar daddy that went with the witch. That one, they will eat your liver. For sausage. You know when witches are looking for liver to use to make so, um, sausage? They have party tomorrow. You know what they do? They go and stand on the road. They will call a sugar daddy. You know why? They need liver. 
kidney suya. Have you eaten kidney suya before? The one you ate is made with cow kidney, right? The witches eat, eat the one with human kidney. That's why your kidney will fail. Baba, go house. Go and repent of your sins. You can't be carrying small, small girls and you won't go to hellfire. No rapture for you. <laughs> the Lord is good. They will need to balance that out, okay? These are people get themselves into all kinds of unnecessary spiritual entanglements and they'll not be saying that we're one, one poor woman in the village is pursuing them. All the witches in your life and your city. You understand? Some of them work in your office. They give you food. They join you to travel weekends when you are not supposed to go with anybody. That is how they have been using you. I'm telling you, your intestine right now is being roasted. That's how you have been bleeding inside your gut for some time. If you repent, you stop. There's no cancer. Don't worry. Cancer is not worrying you. Which is that eating your, 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 your liver, your intestine, sorry. No, round, roundabout. Yeah. No, these guys, they eat in Guanguamo. In the coven. You should go and see their pot. Why do you think that all these fake prophets, they'll be preaching, coming out from witchcraft pot? How did you enter it? It's what me I'm preaching. How to come out is, is not deliverance. It's repentance. If you, wherever you are listening to me from, if you repent, confess your sins, you are out of the pot. That bleeding that has been disturbing your intestine for the last three weeks, it will go away. They are roasting your intestine. Don't think they are kidding. No. Just stay there and don't repent. Stay there and don't repent. You go soon done. Once your intestine is done, you go to the doctor will diagnose. You see that you already have stage 4 colon cancer. It was not stage 4 until yesterday. Trust me. You don't know the way spiritual things work. The doctor will tell you that it started growing 8 years ago. It didn't start growing 8 years ago. It's last 6 weeks ago. It's a witch that took your colon. Those people are wicked people. They, they chop human beings. You know? Just don't go to their coven. That's all we are saying. You say, Pastor Mark, I can never go to their coven. Eh, eh, that hotel room is a coven. It's an outpost. It's a coven outpost. Righteousness delivers from death. Is that not what the Bible tells you? I've said it before. God never wants anything for himself. He just wants to bless you. So when he says walk in a particular way, it is for your own good. I hope you are getting my point. When you disobey God, you are selling your destiny. There is nothing. It's your destiny you are selling. If you disobey God, hide from now till tomorrow. It's your destiny that has been sold. I know the truth. The time for recovery is limited. There are two things that God has used to limit. The number of times you hear the warning and the length of time chronologically. God says, listen, I'm going to give you a maximum of 15 years. But within the period, you can only hear this warning eight times. So remember, they, they have two warnings to go. They listen to me today. Number six one, they don't go. Fifteen years expiring next year. They will hear the warning again. There's no way you want to hide. You will hear it. Sometimes they wish that will bring the warning because God doesn't care. As you're going to carry your girlfriend, she just bring out her phone. Say, what are you doing? Ah, there's some pastor bank. I like listening to him. You know, I've seen evil people listen to me. Sometimes I don't want. I, I wonder. I wonder. Say, God, what kind of thing is this one? One man, a married man, impregnated somebody else the other day. That man said, Ah, sir, I listen to you all the time. I look at him and say, I will slap you. Go punish you. <laughs> what kind of nonsense is this? One day, one man was living near us. So one day, he was talking with my wife. In the course of this, I think there was something he asked my wife. Anyway, make it long story short. He now found out I was Pastor Banky. He said, Ah, Pastor Banky, my pastor. My mind, go punish you. <laughs> <laughs> I can't be your pastor. 
Because his family was in Port Harcourt. He was living near us. Every night, one girl will jump into our compound. And he's calling me his pastor. What kind of thing is this one? Can I be your pastor? Can I be your pastor? Can I be your pastor? What yourself? The guy is coming. Ah, my pastor. And he will be pinching me. An adulterer calling me his pastor. It's not, it's not good for my ministry. <laughs> I, see, I see all kinds of strange. So, when God wants to want that man again, he can make that girl bring out her phone. And the guy will say, hey, who are you talking to? And he say, what, what are you listening to? Say, There's one pastor. The guy sounds very nice. You listen to him too. God don't arrange you. I just put him like this. I just say, the soul that sinned, it shall die. The Lord say, ah. The girl says, don't you think so? Ah, yeah, if you see, you will die. That is... <laughs> and the guy will be looking at the girl like this. Say, what is wrong with you? If I sin, I will die. You go. But she, she, she's dead. She can't understand what you're talking about. What I've told you in the Bible, Ezekiel said, you are to them like a musician, one who plays well on an instrument, sings a beautiful voice. So they call you, ah, Ezekiel, my prophet. But they will never do anything Ezekiel is saying. So bear that in mind. For those who need to repent, I just need to add that. Where were we before we went into all of this? Plenty. You kind of distraction. I said the distraction was not System. Yeah, mark of the beast. Thank you. Yes. So bear this in mind. They cannot sneak yet. I now went into the matter of dream. Don't think they can, those dream things. Okay. The world system, okay, no, the mark of the beast cannot be, you know, they can't sneak it up on you. It's not possible. It's given to those who worship the beast or worship the image of the beast. Do you get my point? Now, what does the beast represent? What does Babylon represent? It's a system. It's a system. And the way foreign gods are presented to us these days is with systems. And they want us to worship the systems. Of the world. And listen to me. Temptations are called temptations. Why? Because they are tempting. And the systems of the world can be tempting. Please get this message. I mean, follow me closely. You have to be careful in this world. Because you see, one of the things that makes something an idol. And this is what happens. When the spirit of God comes upon Saul. If the spirit of God leaves Saul. What happens? An evil spirit will replace it. Many times, this is what happens. God brings a blessing. Then the season for that blessing is over. So you know what happens next? An evil spirit, a false god, comes to replace that material blessing that God gave. Let me give you an example. He told Moses to make a serpent of bronze and put it on a pole. And anyone who will look to it attentively, expectantly, with a steady and absorbing gaze, we've discussed many times, will be healed. Now, after that experience of those few days, anybody who went to that pool again began to worship a false god, an idol. Because at that point in time, the spirit of God will have departed from that material thing and will have been replaced by an evil spirit. Now, let me say this. When I see Christians talking about temple in Jerusalem, they are falling for the same thing. Once the spirit left that temple, that's why God had to break it. Don't try and rebuild it. If God breaks something by himself, don't try and rebuild. The only temple God is building now is being built with 
us. We are lively stones, living stones, being built up as a house for him. And listen, and that's why, let me digress again. If you, if you are a pastor, never call that your church building the church of God. That building is not a temple. Don't tell people to behave themselves when they come to the presence of God. There is nothing present inside that place. There is nothing. A church building is a convenient meeting hall of Christians. They bring the spirit of God there. The spirit of God does not dwell there. Did you understand? Where two or three are gathered in his name, he comes there. If they leave, that's why God doesn't have a problem with breaking churches. If you could break the temple of Solomon, what are you building that you will not break? The day you think is anything more than a hall, it's a hall. There is nothing with there's nothing wrong with using it for wedding reception. So you cannot eat in the house of God. Which one is house of God? That church building is not the church of God. The church of God is the people that sit inside. So if they sit under a canopy, that's the church of God. If they sit under a tree, it's the church of God. That building is just a convenient meeting place. And that's why when you find a lot of our drug dealers and internet scammers building churches in their villages, you just know they are worshipping idols. They are not worshipping God. I hope you are getting my point. So, now, back to the matter of systems. So, sometimes, like one of the ones I gave as an example earlier on, when we began this, God blesses people, for example, with medicine. Medical knowledge, advancement in technology, medical technology, is a gift of God. Oh, it's a gift of God. It's a gift of God. It is a gift of God. Infection used to kill a lot of people before Ian Fleming discovered the penicillin. There have been so many discoveries. Well, we don't know whether it's Edward Jenner or whoever did it first, but vaccines have saved lives. Vaccines have saved lives. I don't want to start talking about coronavirus again. Vaccines have saved lives. That's why people vaccinate children routinely. And there's nothing wrong with that. When children are born, you give them oral polio, BCG. After some time, they give them diphtheria, pertussis, that's whooping cough, tetanus, and they keep on giving measles, all anti, you know, to prevent all these infect- infections. It was technology that God gave. And believe me, it has been a tremendous blessing. However, only one person still heals. Only one person is still the healer. He said, I am the Lord that healed thee. I can decide to use technology, human technology. Most times, I don't even want to use that. I just heal you miraculously. Many times, I don't, no, most times, I don't even let you fall sick. Before you are aware that you are sick, I have healed you. One of the reasons why I gave you sleep is that that's when I walk. Listen, when you are sleeping, God rearranges your brain, your heart, your lungs, your kidneys, your bones. It's one reason why sleep is so important with, with God. God wants you to sleep. If you're always awake, you'll fall sick. Because you know they give God time to do something. God has his own consulting time. I'm telling you, he does. The time he takes care of you most is when you're asleep. When you're moving about, guru, 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 you're accumulating injuries. I'm telling you, you're accumulating injuries. Injuries in your eyes, in your, in your kidneys, in your legs, in your stomach. You eat all kinds of things. You try traffic. Chinese man who gives on you, will chop him. <laughs> God said, no problem. Just go and sleep. 
When he is sleeping, he comes out. Rearranges the whole thing. And very importantly, your brain scatters the whole day regularly. Oh, the brain is... No, I deliberately left it. You know, when I was saying, calm that thing, I left the brain out. The brain can scatter. Almost scatter. God gave brain... Now, you know, you know spiritual things are real. Because the more computer developed, the more human beings began to appreciate how the brain works. Because it works on the same binary system. Yeah. Some people say, what is binary system? <laughs> Sorry, it's off and on. It's, the synapse is just switch off, switch off. They're like silicon chips, you know? You know? They just switch off and on. But the brain has over a trillion synapses. Oh, yeah, synapses. I forget. That thing, eh? this in your head. There's a reason why I go put inside a container. The thing is... <laughs> It is powerful. It's a massive processor. You know, normally, you know, computers after a while they defragment. If you see your computer is not working, after says, your, the fan comes on. That doesn't do a lot of their what they call I do processes. They, they rearrange files. They, you know, when you are writing files, scatters all over the place. A time comes, they have to compact it, do all those things. Do you know your brain does exactly the same thing when you are sleeping? Doesn't do it when you are awake. When you are sleeping, all the things you heard, the important ones, he pushes them to the certain area. The unimportant ones, puts them to the back. Some of them say, this has become routine, nothing to, you don't need to remember. That's why you forget where you kept your key. You know, not because something's wrong with your head, but because it has become routine. So the brain doesn't like to arrange it properly. He said, no, go and look for where you normally keep it. Again, by the way, that's why things you do routinely, find the routine way of doing them. Have a place you keep the key in the house. Because after a while, the brain starts remembering. He says you should have a particular order for it. Hang your so that anytime you are looking for it, you go to a particular place. Because the brain says, look, there are so many things to concern ourselves about. No, you, 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 you add key story to my issue. But the truth is, is your brain needs you to sleep. If you don't sleep well, your life becomes shorter. You're, yes, you're more likely to have dementia. You're more likely to have a lot of problems. The point I'm trying to make is that God is still the healer. He heals you when you don't even know there's a problem. Do you know he scans? He scans your system from head to toe. Every night. This is a cancer cell that wants to develop. Touches it, it melts away. It just goes like this. Toom, it turns to smoke. The other cells around will eat it up. Dissolve it. Reuse the nutrients. I'm telling you, it really happens like this. It really happens. Touches your head, it resets. Touches your eyes, it resets. Touches your kidneys, they reset. Most of it is done while you are sleeping. I'm telling you, it's a matter of fact. Sometimes, you know, go here. You know, go pray. You know, go sleep. You know, you know guru, 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 little thing will not go wrong. Go and say, okay, go and see that doctor. I will use him to, set, to, re, to reset you small. One reason why I say go and see the doctor, at least you will not see that it's possible not to go to work. Some doc, some doc, doctor, the appointment is 8 o'clock. He won't see you till 3 o'clock. It's God. You arrive here in stage by 8. Sometimes you go and take a card. You go and pay. You go and do one test. Wait for one receipt. You sit down in the clinic. You see the queue. When is your turn? It's 3 o'clock. You know who's wasting your time? Your father who is in heaven. He said, you say you don't have time. No, Allah. I will prove to you that you have time. Just watch me. And when you finish at 3 o'clock, the doctor will say, ah, sir, you have to come back in three days' time. But then God has collected four days from you going to hospital. 
that at the end of two weeks of different days of going, you now say there's nothing wrong with you. You know what the Lord is saying? Shemi said you didn't have time. How did you find out this? How did you find these four days? How did you find four days to come to hospital now? So now I want you to go on a retreat. Go and listen to the word for four days. And if I hear you don't have time, I'll make your visit eight days next time. They will admit you for four of the days. In isolation world. So that you will know that there's time. Just by the way, some of you that think that you don't have time. I'm warning you. I'm just giving what the Spirit is saying. He said, go to church. You can't go. There's no time. Go and sit down. And please, listen to me. Some people who are in the they say, I will stream. I don't believe that thing. You know what I found out? If you're in Bible study here physically, I've noticed something. Nobody can call you out. When you are streaming, even your wife will come and say, honey, where do you put my car keys? Um, you are streaming. <laughs> I think I'm going to wait for you while you are looking for your car keys. Your phone will go off. You go off. Please, I'm listening to a message. Call me back. You attend to it. But you know, Clint, you came. What else have you done but listen to me? Nothing. But if you ask, your guy don't call you by now. Tell you one base station failed in Otopo. <laughs> that is one advantage of a gathering. Yeah, that's, I'm serious about that. I realized that then. You know, I, teach, I, I was teaching a class of students recently. One girl mistakenly left her. They said we should teach online. She left her video camera on by accident. You know where, where, where I see the girl? Nanka. Oh, they don't know where it's Nanka. She was in the hairdressing salon while I was giving a medical lecture. <laughs> now I shout. I said, hey, who's that doing hair? She quickly put out the video. You know the way they be serving hair? Do it like this. I'm teaching pathology. Yeah. <laughs> She didn't, she didn't know she left the video on. So after my colleagues gathered together, I said, no, this online teaching, we're not doing it again. Because there's something about when you gather with people, you can't be distracted. It's hard to be distracted. So the person who's been saying he doesn't have time, go to church, he wants to stream. Please, so there's no COVID-19 right now. We now go to, how many people wear masks for here? Nigerians don't wear masks again. And they know they're sick. So please go to church. Stop streaming. You see what I said? Because all this, you don't have time, you don't have time. You will soon have time. And I don't want you to have that kind of time. That's what I'm saying. You shouldn't have that kind of time. Make the time by yourself ahead. God needs the time. You know why? He's the Lord that heals you. Now this is the point I was making. Do you know this blessing that medical system, this blessing that God gave us in the medical system, yeah, that's a good way to put it. Do you know we have now turned it many times to an idol? Yes, we have. We have turned it to an idol. We are beginning to worship it. And because, I don't have time now to explain how we did that, okay? But because we did that extensively, we have become vain also. I said the other time, do you know, if you know, the, num- the billions people spend on supplements every year. Yet, research has shown that it does more harm than good. So, the medical teaching currently is, please, if there's nothing wrong with you, stop taking vitamin supplements. That there has to be a specific reason. For example, 
you are a young wife, you expect to get pregnant anytime from now, they say, allow you to take folate. You are pregnant already, like to supplement with certain things. You've been ill for some time, you're in a very stringent diet, okay, add this to supplement. You have been sick for some time, okay, people who are sick like that, they lose this kind of vitamins, okay, they add it for you. Or they've done tests, they've checked that this, this, this are short. Take to replace them. But they just wake up and say, let me boost my immunity. Especially with those your Chinese herbs. I feel sorry for people though. One man one day I read his story in Reader's Digest. Was it, is it um, BBC? BBC. How he lost his liver and his kidney because he wanted to be healthier. It has gotten to a point because we focus so much on medical system as a God. We have forgotten that he's the Lord that heals. In that process, we have lost a lot of ground. We are now beginning to harm ourselves in the process of looking for better health. I have a book titled Overdiagnosis, Making People Sick in the Pursuit of Health, written by an American physician. An American physician wrote it. When I read the book, my God, my, my mouth opened. Years ago, I still have it, but I bought the book some years ago. And the man explained, and listen, let me just say something to you. Hey, I don't have time to, to scare you some more. I will have scared you a little bit more. For your information, what, this is why you should not have faith in the medical system. Have faith in God. Then God can use the system if he has to. The pharmaceutical company doesn't care about your health. They care about their pocket. It's a fact. I'm not trying to... They know. They know. I'm, so I'm not trying to make anybody look bad. They sell you drugs you don't need because it makes money. One day I told one of my friends, can we do a particular study? I said, I want to prove that this particular drug, these guys are selling, is not necessary. I said, there's a particular study, but you need money. Will you guys fund it? He's a big guy in the pharmaceutical company. He said, Banky, you're expecting me to pay to fund a study to prove my drugs are not necessary. Then I realized how stupid I was. Did you get that? There's a particular thing that people are doing. I said, look, we can prove that it's not necessary. I said, but it will take a bit of research. I said, I, I, I know it was so clear to me, but you need to prove it through research. I said, we need money. I said, will your company be willing to fund this research? He said, Banky, if your research works out, I lose market. And I realized that I was very stupid, though. That indeed, I'm not of this world. <laughs> because I thought that truth was important. Then he made it clear to me, no, 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 no. Nobody cares about your truth. We care about our pocket. Is the government's agency of, of some good people that want to put money together to find out whether something is right? The one man came one day, I told you the story, he came from Belgium, gave us a lecture here, professor of cardiology. He just proved to us that please don't follow these pharmaceutical companies on these drugs they're selling you. That they are not as, they say they are not better than the drug that's 80 years old or 50 years old that goes for like 10 naira a tablet. That the one they're selling you now is 500 naira a tablet. He explained it. Came from Belgium. And he gave us the principle how we can catch them. So sometimes when I see ignorant people arguing with me, that's one that even annoys me more. When you don't, you don't have a medical qualification, you're telling me sugar is bad for me. And me and me that have medical qualification, I have a postgraduate certification, and I teach medical students and postgraduate people. And I'm telling you that the sugar I'm eating is good for me, and you're telling me it's bad for me. I'm looking at you that you're all right. Do I look at an architect to you? <laughs> 
No, sometimes people amaze me. They believe lies and they want to convince me. Me, when they read the Bible, on top of the medical thing where I don't read. You now come and meet me that uh, I put sugar in my garden. I say, what's wrong with it? They say, it causes diabetes. I say, ignorance is your problem. There's nowhere in the world where it's written that sugar causes diabetes. You know people don't know? They don't know. So don't eat sugar. They give you diabetes. Say, eh. Why? Because it's called sugar diabetes. It's not the one you eat. It's the one you pee. There's a word of difference. But people have gotten confused. Let me tell you the reason why. Basically because they don't realize he's the Lord that heals. They have followed the blessing God gave them until they've gotten confused by the blessing. When they made the blessing into a God. What am I saying to you? The world wants to sell you systems. And that's what I'm preaching in this series from today. You have to snatch yourself away from the systems of the world to worship them. You must be careful not to worship them. Sometimes they are a blessing. But be careful to give the glory to God. That's why I'm using this message as an example. If you follow God as the one that heals, and do you prove it, it's your lifestyle. You can spend, let's talk about those who are rich. They say, I'm going for my annual checkup. How much is the ticket to go to Europe and back? All right, all right, okay. You travel, ticket, come back, see the doctor, everything. Maybe you spend two million there. You're not spending too much, are you? Two million is just okay. Have you? You tried it before? No, sir, okay. And from going, coming back, everything takes about 10 days, two weeks, right? Okay? If the same person will not be willing to spend hundreds of thousands and that same period of time to have a retreat on the word of God concerning divine health, that fellow is worshipping a false god. I've said that very brutally, and I mean it like that. You know what? God will present for you opportunities. He say, hey, hey, you come. Bilal is doing retreat. Go. You will say, you don't have time. There's a time for medical checkup. You easily make two weeks. Listen to me. You are serving a false god in the area of your health. You are just praying to the true god by the side. You know the truth? Nobody who hopefully waits for him will ever be put to shame. I want to dare anybody to tell me that God has failed if he has been doing this kind of checkup regularly. What's wrong with Christians saying, listen, every year I take a weekend off to check up on my health. I just check simple things like, have I been sleeping? What does the word of God say about my health? I take the scripture, just a week. Oh, even a weekend. And when I say weekend, intense. Oh, there are these ten messages I listen to in those three days. Each one is one hour. Or I do a total of 10 hours of these four tapes discussing what Jesus did for me on the cross, how God has a hold of my body, and how I can rearrange it. I feed my heart with it that whole weekend. I confess the scripture concerning divine health and long life. I take Psalm 92 and I receive the power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead in my body. Making me strong even though I'm getting old physically. And somebody does that for a weekend or two every year. Let him come and tell me it didn't work. You know what? Nobody has done it. But they blow heavy money to go for checkup. One of my friends said that, they say, Banky, you know you're over 50 now. So come and check your colon. 
You want to be probing up from my backside. What is inside? Don't worry. She let a number of scriptures I have packed inside there. If I have to chew Bible and swallow it to clean out the place, I will. When I have done that and God says, Banky, go and check, I will now go. And you know, he hasn't said that to me. Maybe he'll say it within the next 85 years. I don't know. But right now, he hasn't said anything like that. They say, you know, when you read particular age, go and check your prostate. I say, have you read the Bible over your prostate yet? Meanwhile, the man who invented that prostate thing, about seven, six, seven years ago, he said it was a colossal waste of public funds. He said it's not better than the toss of a coin. Yes, after the world, I've done it for like 30 years. We grade cancer of the prostate from grade, uh, a score of 2 to 10. Finally, after many years, they say if it's less than 6, it's not a cancer. Meanwhile, people have been treated aggressively for having 4, 5. When they went to check, when there was nothing there. Listen, I'm not here to criticize medical science. I'm saying, have you used your Bible science more? That's what I'm just saying. They say every woman at this particular age, a mammography. At least carry Bible and rub your breast now. What's wrong with you? That's what I'm just saying. Because the machine will crush it for you. It's painful. Let's start from somewhere. If you are that afraid of breast cancer, what scriptures do you have to fight it? That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. I'm not saying that it's wrong. Look, I walk in the hospital. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. But let's start from somewhere. Should I take the number of breasts that have been removed and there's nothing inside? And there's nothing inside? Do you know the number of mental agonies people have gone through because they went for mammography? And, and all we see in mammography is shadows. So one shadow looked like this, another shadow looked like that. At the end of the day, medical science divided now in half. If you remove those who financially have to benefit, I mean, that group that don't believe that if there's nothing you can feel in your breast, I don't believe you should go for mammography. I think it's a bloody waste of time and it's a severe cost to mental, your mental state. And I'm not the only one. Even if everybody went, the average woman gains only five extra months of life for the agony and cost. The average gain is five months extra of life. Not disease-free life. Just of life. It was easy way we agonize over it. Are you talking about Are you talking about your I say, listen, ask the same person, what, does it, what is the word of God saying about that your breast? Find out at least. And before you touch it to check it, stay in front of the mirror and read the scriptures to it. The word of God works. That's what I'm saying. Let me say this to you that as a believer. Don't go to hospital until you have prayed. Because now human beings are there. I hope you got my point. Don't go until you have prayed. Get on your knees, pray about everything. If you are afraid, tell God. Ask him to have mercy. He said, God, maybe it's my sin. He said, God, forgive me. My... You know, once you have the ability to say, Lord, forgive me, he will forgive you. Those who does not forgive, they have been hardened. When they were sentencing these guys, the kidnapper, the judge said, these boys are not even repentant. <laughs> That's how you know those that God is not planning to forgive. You can't you don't go say, oh, please, I'm sorry now. The judge said, look, you have not even shown me any remorse. So life imprisonment, all of you, you won't come out again. So once your heart can say sorry, let me guarantee you, you will receive forgiveness. 
Let me guarantee you, you will receive forgiveness. Amen. I don't care what the sin is. I guarantee you, you will receive forgiveness. Amen. Once your heart can say genuine sorry, you will receive forgiveness. Amen. So tell the Lord you are sorry and say, Lord, heal me of my diseases. You know what I found out? He heals. Amen. Please, in a few weeks, you will get this book. What's the title of this? My latest book. It's ready, fully ready. We're having a delay in printing. But now it should have been out. But there's an issue with printing. Okay? No, nothing wrong with me or us. It's the printer. We walk by faith. Please read it. To be asked shortly. I'll walk on over the next two weeks or so. And if God blesses that, we'll release as PDF. Of course, as you know, usually it's free. It's the print copy you have to pay for. And we walk by faith, I explained. You have to create a new system when you are dealing with your health. You create in your spirit and in your mind. This is our real. You have to create a new system. A new system. Jesus met those, uh, those two uh, blind people came and said, have mercy on us. He said, what did he say to them? Be it unto you. How? According to. Answer me. To your faith. Did he say according to your desire? Is it according to your pain? Is it according to your wish? Is it according to what? Nobody was saying them. Faith is a system of reasoning. So he said, Are you, do you believe I'm able to do this? It's not, it's not about do you want to receive. He said, do you believe I'm able? There's a difference. Many people come to God with desire when it's too late. They never came to him with a system of faith that believed that he could. But when everybody has failed, say, God, if you say, if you try, try now. It's the reason why it seems to fail. Time has gone this evening. Let's bow down our heads and commit ourselves to one God, the God that heals. Let's just do that. Say, Lord, and please, everybody, they've been telling you you're over 50. Check your intestine. Check your prostate. Check your breast. Put the word over those things right now. And when you get home this night, physically do it too. Take scriptures. Read over your breast, women. Please do that. Don't let them scare you with breast cancer. Yeah, it's a scary thing, but it's a cure we have in Christ. It's a cure we have in Christ. Prostate cancer is scary, but it's a cure we have in Christ. What am I saying? Let's apply it early. No more foreign gods. Thank God for what doctors do, for what medical science does. But we'll not live our lives in their hands. If God wants to use them, fine. But first of all, we go to the Lord. First of all, it is the Lord. No one else. It is the Lord. No one else.